Hi, this is Marissa Meyer. And this is Delaney. And this is Sloan. And you're listening to the Prince Kai Fan Pod. Previously on the Prince Kai Fan Pod, Cress is pulled out of suspensions after recovering from her injuries during the final showdown with Lavana. Though many have come to visit her, Thorne is not one of them, and no one has given her updates about him. But when she arrives at her new suite, Thorne is the first person to knock on her door. A fresh haircut and clean jaw, he is starting to look like the Thorne from his cadet photos online. He comes to Cress hat in hand with an apology, a plan, and a hope for their future together. But it's up to Cress where she wants her life to go next. Bethany, can I ask you about a tangent? Of course. So Thorne, right, he's like, I might consider getting some cyborg replacements. Do you need, like, brain surgery to hook up your cyber replacements? Like, internal wiring? I was like, how would that work? I'm going to keep this in for the episode. Oh, okay. Uh, because I want Patreon and the world to email me their thoughts, princekyfanpod at gmail.com. Patreon, just start a conversation. You guys already know how this works. Currently, you don't necessarily need brain surgery if you had an appendage that was robotic. But, like, but it how does have to be attached to, to certain, yeah, you have to be attached to certain neuron receptors. So maybe you do need surgery. I don't think I have enough medical knowledge to answer this question appropriately. Come on, sci-fi medical. What what could go wrong? I I think you would need some type of surgery, and I don't know if a control panel to the extent of what Cinder has would need to be installed. I don't think you would need to have, like, an interface to use it. I think it would be a very minor procedure with, like, a couple of connections here and there. Um, But... But yes, I do think it would require some kind of procedure and surgery. Yeah, or maybe just some kind of metal. I don't know. I'm trying to think, like, how it would work without metal, but, like, without thing, something. But then how also would it, you get it to stay on there? Also, which finger do you think he lost? Is it his pointer? Um, I th- There's fan art everywhere that, like, shows it. I like to think that it's... um. That it's like his middle two fingers because then okay. I have this image in my head of Thorne always trying to flip people off and he can't anymore. <laughs> so that's this whole okay. other thing. So you I'm missed back. a question that I'm going to go ahead and keep in because I'm very curious about the world's response. Sierra, please ask your question again. So you know how Thorne, he says, hey, I'm considering cyborg replacements. How does that work? Would he need, like, brain surgery or, like, internal wiring? Like, how would he get it so then, the like, the neurons and synapses in his brain tell it what to do? There would probably be a little bit of that. Um, But, like, we see earlier in the series, thinking in, like, the first book, the, the patient that Dr. Erlon sends away, who's, like, 6% cyborg. Oh, yeah. And just has, like, the one foot that was replaced. Because, like, there's there's robotic prosthetics right now. Yeah, I was thinking that, too, but I don't know how they work. <laughs> I don't know how they work either. But, like, there are, there are prosthetic arms that you can control through thought. I don't know how they work. I don't know enough about that. 
But I, I feel like a couple fingers wouldn't be too tricky. Yeah, I was thinking, like, obviously it would need some kind of connector, but it would probably be, like, a small procedure. Yeah, Thorn would end up being, like, 2% cyborg. <laughs> yeah. But, of course, I'm always curious to your guys' thoughts, so listeners, email princeguyfanpod at gmail.com, Patreon, start a thread, you know how it goes. We are in Chapter 96. We take a huge transition here. Oh we go God. from, I love you, and I love you, and I'm not good enough for you, but I will be. I know, right? Kiss, kiss. <laughs> to winter in shock therapy. Yeah. That, to me, was, like, such a shit. Taking notes for this was such an emotional shift because I was, mm-hmm. like, on this high of, like, oh, my God, Crescent Thorne, finally they love each other. And then almost immediately I was, like, they are still using shock therapy and winter is down. Yeah. And it's just so lonely and heartbreaking and just, like, she's so disconnected. Like, her ending is not my favorite. I mean, it's, like, most realistic, but it's just she's still so sad and out of it. And it's, like, ah. I mean, I'm glad all four main characters made it out with all as well as all of their love interests, but it's still like, oh, I like her better in Stars Above, and that's all I say about it because mm-hmm. then she's more happy and healthy. Well, I think it's getting the implant too that helps with yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. I I appreciate that. It's it's made very clear that no solution is a good solution. Yeah. That, like, her two options are to remain in a clinic and be physically incapacitated when things get too hard. Or to be given this semblance of freedom with a system that can do the same thing as needed, if needed. Yeah, I'm always confused. I was also confused about, like, the shock therapy, and I'm like... Is it only if she's, like, getting violent and they, like, need a zoner out or, like, yeah. And I get, like, with restraining her, if she's being crazy and, like, yeah, being a little violent. But I was, like, why why the shockwaves? What would that do? <laughs> it's hard to um, imagine a good solution or a bad solution, or, I mean, a better solution. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm just, you know what, I'm just not trained. I'm not qualified to make those kinds mm-hmm. of, of assumptions. I'm really not. Um, there's a lot of controversy around shock therapy, especially because there's um, a history of it being sort of abused and, and used incorrectly as yeah. a form of torture, right? So I don't honestly, when I hear shock therapy, I think of those horror stories of old asylums. Yeah. That's what pops into my mind. That doesn't mean there isn't proof that it's effective or something. It's just that's where my mind goes. Well, and I I have a friend who suffered from pseudo-seizures for most of her adult life, and they didn't know, like, what was causing them. And I know that she's at a point now with a new treatment where she's been seizure-free for three years, which is incredible. And I think it has something to do with electrotherapy. In some way. And so I think there are ways to do it safely. And to me, this doesn't necessarily read as shock therapy. Like, it doesn't read like, we're going to give you this electric jolt because we think it's going to make you better. It reads as, hey, if you become a danger, we're going to tase you. Which is not necessarily better, but I... To me, it doesn't read as if they're saying, like, this is going to cure you or make your life, you know make your your symptoms go away. It's, right. 
this is if you become a danger to yourself or someone else. It's like the concept this of pain is a last management. Resort. Yeah. 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 Well, even yeah. if it was like a serum or something that like chilled her out and like made her unconscious, that also feels like icky, but it's also like, yeah, it takes choice. But yeah, if you aren't in the right state of mind and you're going to hurt yourself and others. Well, and I was a, I was a special ed para for a year. And one of the things, this was in Virginia where they have rules are different in every state about like what teachers and paras can do in terms of like physically restraining Mm -hmm. kids. And in Virginia, we were given physical restraint training for kids who were in danger of hurting themselves or other people. Okay. And there was a a little boy in our classroom. He was six years old. He was nonverbal. And he had, we think, migraines, basically. Oh, my. But because he was only six and because he was nonverbal, he had no way of communicating that he was in pain. And so his only way to manage the pain when it would happen is he would literally slam his head into the floor as hard as he could. And so I literally physically restrained that child many times um, where I would have him in a hold on my lap with my legs on top of his legs and his arms pinned at his side by my arms. And on the one hand, I felt really bad doing it. Like, I felt horrible for, you know, restraining a child in this way. But if I didn't, he was going to hurt himself very badly. Yeah, give him, like, even more brain trauma. Yeah. And potentially hurt other people Mm -hmm. as well. And so it's one of those, like, things that, what do you have to do in order to keep a person safe from themselves or from other people and it's there's no good answer to it unfortunately yeah and I do like that it's it's made very clear in the beginning of this chapter that this is is messy and it's hard and Jason hates it I was gonna say I love that Jason is like really this is the only solution because because I feel like I feel like we as a fandom don't get enough time with Jason and winter. And I yeah. know that they're the last couple and it's a fork and you know, it's a, it's a quartet with a couple of extra novellas or novellas. No, that is the right word. Um, <laughs> I need sleep you guys, but I feel like we don't get enough time with Jason and winter. So we don't have a hundred percent understanding of their dynamic, but it is 1 million percent on brand that Jason is anti shock therapy. Mm-hmm. Super on brand. So I want to talk about the animals. Oh, yes. Everybody just, like, ditched them. And they were restless and starving. And Mm -hmm. my whole heart was like, what? Why does nobody care about the animals? Okay, that makes me a bad person, right? Like, the the gamekeepers have their own shit to worry about. And the world, like, their world, the moon, was literally falling apart. But I'm just like... I, I just kills me that nobody like thought of the animals and I'm so 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 grateful that Winter was like okay I I don't care if I'm a princess or used to be a princess or if I have collars on my arms or whatever like somebody's got to do this and so she like cleaned and gave the animals their food and their water and the attention that they needed and even the servants started helping and so she ended up bringing the entire menagerie back to life and it's this beautiful sort of poetic 
transformation for what everyone and everything has gone through in this instance. Yeah, I do like her ending in that she does end up with her animals and it, like nature and is more helpful and it's not as suffocating or like restrained and yeah, those mm -hmm. she's I mean, she's good with people too, but she's definitely good with animals, especially in her episodes like this, like with Ryu and yeah, even though he's a ghost doggy or ghost wolfy, you know, she's still tight with him. <laughs> yeah. And I love this exchange that we see between her and Jason. Because Jason is, like, teasing her. Like, Jason has a tendency to be overprotective. Or Jason has a tendency to be very protective. I don't know if it's overprotective all the time. Because Winter needs some protecting. But I think as we see later in this chapter, she doesn't need as much protecting as Jason thinks she does. Mm -hmm. But I, I appreciate that at the same time, he can tease her. He doesn't, like, necessarily hold back what he says. So, like, she's in the wolf pen and, and he's making light of, like, you don't look like an arctic wolf. And I love this exchange about, like, um... I've heard your howl and, you know, I'll play fetch with you if you, you know, mm -hmm. this whole thing. And uh, I just, I love the banter back and forth between the two of them. Yeah. It feels easy. It feels like they've been friends for years. And I think it's important that Winter has somebody who's not treating her like she's on a pedestal or treating her like she's crazy. Yeah. And I don't I thought he was kind of like leaning into the hallucination with that and being like, oh, okay, you want to pretend that you're a dog? Okay, we can do that. And like, just kind of go with the flow of her mood and all that. And I don't know, I just, Jason's great with winter. He definitely like embodies like the whole typical wedding vow, vow of like in sickness and in health, I'll love you and mm -hmm. take care of you. Um, yeah, I wrote, funnily enough, I mostly only like Jason when he's with Winter, although he's more amusing now on rate rates and fanfiction. Like, fanfiction Jason is hysterical. <laughs> mostly in just being the straight man and serious man with everyone else's uh, hijinks. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I like which, taking care of her. Which I think makes it good that we see him with win Winter, mm -hmm. so that we do get to see that other side of him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think that I think that what perhaps is often overlooked or or maybe just not something that like we said we get enough time with is the way that Winter sees Jason because there's no transparency there. There never has been. Mhm. Mm um even in the beginning where she there's like the first couple of chapters with them in this book where she's talking about like she knows why he behaves the way that he does around her, even though she also knows that he cares about her. Yeah, porcupines definitely have trauma. <laughs> yeah. So do those animals now. But we, we can move <laughs> forward. I know. I could I could digress about the oddity that is Jason and Winter for forever. So Cinder wants to open trade, communication, travel, and access to media. Um, and immigration and immigration with Earth. I mean, kind of, obviously, but at the same time, everybody on Earth is probably like, yeah, you guys just had, like, a massive civil war. You are not coming down here. They're like, yeah, no, thank and you. I there. think that We're that's valid. Here. 
Right. Like, I think that that's valid. And while I understand and appreciate that, that, you know, it's that concept that like most humans are inherently good. So we should probably give that validation to lunars. Right. But at the same time, earthens have a very valid concern for not having control over their minds or bodies. Yeah. And right. Especially when they bring up all the rapes, murders, et cetera. And while the prototype that Lynn Guerin invented was obviously a very effective tool, reproducing it is going to take time. And until that thing has been actually created and is available to the masses, I, I genuinely wonder how much travel, you know, should be between the two places. Yeah, Lavana definitely well, did Earth a dirty with like the virus and the mutant soldiers, yep. and she was like tricky and slipping them in. So I don't blame them for having like distrust issues. Yeah, and I I read this as like this is an eventual wish that Cinder has. Yeah. Like I don't think Cinder's going to try and implement this tomorrow, but I think Cinder is sitting here going, I want to eventually get to the point where anyone who wants to leave the moon can. People who from Earth who want to visit the moon can, but we have to have safeguards in place yeah. mm-hmm. for that. And um, I think this is her first step is like sending someone down to Earth from the moon who can start to maybe change public opinion. And I think it's smart to send Winter, this lunar who refused to use her gift, who refused to control other people yeah speaking of winter i have a question is do you guys think winter is broken because she's like i'm broken and jason's like you're not broken i don't personally like the concept that anyone is broken it's you know it's like what aiko and cinder have said like broken isn't the same as unfixable i definitely get that you could feel broken yeah I have I, I have think... emotionally been there and physically been there mm-hmm. when my body has not been capable of what I want it to do, mm-hmm. right? Same so girl. I definitely I definitely have felt like I'm broken and I definitely understand the feeling of being broken, but I don't necessarily like the concept that someone could actually be broken. Does that make any sense? I, it it does. Yeah. I take this more as I think I would take it differently if someone else was referring to winter as broken. Yes. But the fact that it's winter referring to herself that way, to me, it feels like her saying, listen, there is something wrong with me. Something in me has been damaged. Mm -hmm. Something in the way that my mind works, you know, I am not fully okay. And I think she needs Jason to acknowledge that on some level. Yeah. Because his immediate, like, because, because she doesn't use broken first. She, she says, don't you want me to be fixed? Yeah. And he and says, he you're, says not broken. you're not broken. And I think for me, this conversation brings up a lot of like people who are well-intentioned, but say the wrong thing in terms of trying to encourage another person. Right. So I know Beth That's what I was going to say. Had, you and yeah. I have had conversations about like being overweight yes. and, and body image and things. And I know that oftentimes there's like, somebody will say something like, Oh, well I'm fat. And someone will be like, no, you're not. You're beautiful. And be yep. okay. Pause. I didn't say I wasn't beautiful. Right. <laughs> yeah. Those two things are not, they're not mutually exclusive. 
Or the constant, so, like, you're, you, lo- you, lo- you look so good, did you lose weight? Yeah. Either I look good or I lost weight, but, like, those are not. Yeah. Especially yeah, because I've lost so much things. weight over the last year, mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily in a healthy way. It's like, do we, how am I doing? What is my life like? Can you say hello first? Like, why is it, right. like, oh, you look so great. How much, like, how much weight have you lost? And so I get in this conversation just, like, the tiniest touch of that where he's so quick to be, like, you are not broken. And she's like, mm-hmm. Jason, part of me is. Yeah. Like, Do you think that that's a disservice to Winter on Jason's part? Like, obviously it doesn't come from a place of malice, but, like, do you think it's a disservice to to their relationship for him to not acknowledge that she has this this sort of demon inside her that she needs to overcome and deal with on a daily basis? Slightly, because I think he's trying to have it both ways. Yeah. I think he, he's, like, saying to her face, like, you're not broken. I don't see you as broken. But at the same time, he's like, you don't have to do this. You can't handle doing this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and so he's always like, been protective of her, so he knows on some yeah. level that there is that component where she needs that extra help. Mm-hmm. And so I really appreciate that in this conversation, she is saying to him, there is something wrong with me. I want it fixed. It can be fixed by me doing this. And I am making this decision for my life. This is not your decision to make. Yes. And I really appreciate that she has the ability to say that. And I appreciate that Jason is able to listen to it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think Jason's whole thing comes from the fact that he's failed to protect her so many times and in so many ways. Yeah. But he learns to listen, and I appreciate I think that the way you both have described it is is very well said because it is a way of trying to be supportive, but by disacknowledging the concern altogether, it is – it could be something that holds you back. What do you guys think about Winter being an ambassador? Because I absolutely love it. I love it, too. Love it. Perfect. If she oh can charm gosh, those mutant yes. brute wolves, she can charm anyone. Uh, and I love, yeah, I, that, that, you know, he's like, Cinder wants you to do this. And she's like, I think that's a great idea. He doesn't hold her back from it. He's like, you can't handle it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I love that he's like, if you're going to Earth, then I guess I'm going to Earth. Like, I go where you go. And I also love that he's like, maybe I could be a doctor finally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Live your dream. Have your own life and ambition, too. Yeah. Like, don't forget that stuff. Yeah, I think we get so caught up in what Jason wants to do for winter, and I think Jason gets caught up in what he wants to do for winter. And reading that sentence, I'm like, yes, Jason, you have Mm -hmm. your own shit going on. You have your own goals. You have your own ambition. Like, don't lose focus of that just because you're, like, with your girl because you can do both. I'm in a relationship where I know you can do both because I've seen it happen. You can go after your own ambitions while supporting your partner. Well, as a guard, he was – yeah, as a guard, he was yeah. trained to not be anyone, to be invisible, to not want anything. And so that was trained out of him at such a young age that he's like, yeah, it's hard to be back and be like, oh, yeah, I can take up space. I can I can want things, because especially when people are like, have taken that yeah, away from absolutely. you. Absolutely. And I love when he's like, I think I'm done serving people. I'm like, yes, get it, Jason. Speak, speak for yourself, dude. Do it. Yeah. 
What do you guys think of um, her, like, end resolution here where she just wants to be, like, safe and happy and no longer afraid of her own mind? And Jason goes, like, oh, you know, you're perfect on a good day, like the like the line that we had earlier and how cute that was. Do you guys think that that's a nice callback? Do you think it's still him being a little bit, like, really, you shouldn't call people perfect? It's an expectation they can't live up to. I think I think it's an interesting choice of of word for Jason because of how winter has been perceived in the past as this like this you know perfect beauty like all that kind of stuff but he means it differently and I think that that's made clear in this speech that mm-hmm. he has which starts with you're perfect and then he's like i don't care if you see dead wolves or turn into a living ice sculpture you know i don't care about any of that and i think the the end of the you're perfect is you're perfect the way you are right now yeah yes you're the perfect version of you he calls her perfect when she's a mess yeah and i think the ending is really cute where she's like you think i'm perfect like she comes back to it and he's like you know on a good day kind of oh which is cute because it's like, oh, hey, she's in there. Because it's hard to know how much of her change and how much she's out of body and how much she really is present. So it's like, oh, okay, cool. A moment of sanity. She's in there. Yeah, and I think that I think that this kind of conversation is very good for people to have in general. But I, I like that we get to see it in a representation between Winter and Jason. Like, I think that they're the perfect couple to show us the conversation of it's okay to it's okay to acknowledge that you need help and it's okay for your partner to to see past your flaws and there's a there's a balance in the middle that you have to find mhm yeah so let's talk about our mm-hmm. chapter song titles so i made up for Last chapter. I want to. I want to. I want to preface. I want to emphasize that I was never, ever, ever, ever upset with you for not choosing musical theater. I was just genuinely. I know it's just it's just like my thing. I've made it my thing. I know. I love you no matter what you choose. Yeah. Your your music, your choice, Cassie. I was just surprised. (laughs) But it's like okay, I went with like a Disney movie musical song last time, so for this one, I'll go with a super obscure musical. Let's called Anyone Can Whistle. Instead. It's a Stephen Sondheim show. Um, but I chose a song called With So Little To Be Sure Of from a musical called Anyone Can Whistle. And the lyrics of this are just spot on. With so little to be sure of, if there's anything at all, I'm sure of here and now and us together. All I'll ever be, I owe you, if there's anything to be. Being sure enough of you makes me sure enough of me. And it is... So perfect for these two. That's cute. Because I I do feel like Jason has always been Winter's anchor. When she's lost in a hallucination, she knows that she's lost. Like, he's the one who can pull her back. He's the one who keeps her rooted and grounded. Yeah. And so that lyric of being sure enough of you makes me sure enough of me. Like, that's how she comes back to herself and to who she is by this presence that is always there no matter what. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. That's cute. 
I like Sierra, that. Sierra, what was your song choice? Okay, Cassie, I made an unpartable sin. I chose a song from Cats. However, <laughs> it's Taylor Swift's when you can't song get that she wrote for Cats. <laughs> so uh, I am prepared to forgive you. I'm prepared to forgive you. Have you wait before? Have you listened to the song, Cassie? Do you like know the song and the words and stuff? No. Oh, okay. It's a rebuttal to memories. <laughs> okay, cool. I'm here for that. Yeah. It's like it's like yeah, oh it's really great pretty. that you're like oh I miss my memories, but like yeah. at least you have them. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because just like. You yep. used to be adored yep. by uh-huh. crowds. Right. I've never had friends, kind of thing. So it's beautiful. It's called Beautiful Ghosts. Um, it's super gorgeous. It's super haunting. I like the characters version, but also like the Taylor Swift song is just gorgeous. Too. <laughs> I love Taylor. Bethany and I are like Team Taylor forever. Um, it's just like a sad, haunted kind of song, and that's just kind of how the chapter felt. Like. Winters literally be haunted, haunted by like these ghosts and like these good times and bad times are like haunting her. I feel so badly for Winter, like post battle, like she had hallucinations about the walls are bleeding and like all that stuff before the battle, and now mm-hmm. it's literally been like battlegrounds, and that could be immensely traumatizing. I know, like oh, a few episodes ago, we were talking. Someone said, like, oh, what if it's like. Yeah. premonitions and visions it's not hallucinations and I'm like ooh so yeah that, so she just has to suffer twice poor girl so yeah mostly it's just like the vibe of being haunted and all I that and that like lonely too. and like that's yeah. that song is beautiful it's yeah. so pretty so my song was perfect by One Direction Only because I really like the refrain of you're perfect, baby, you're perfect. Um, And it's not necessarily, like, about being perfect. It's more like you're the perfect person for me at the perfect time in my life. And I feel like Jason and Winter are that for each other. It's just, you know, it's always the perfect time of their life because we want them to be, like, together forever and ever and ever. Um, but I, I like the idea of like someone is the perfect person for yeah. you at the perfect time because the concept of perfection is, is, you know, it's very difficult to live up to, but that's kind of a temporary, um, commitment, right? It's like, well, I only have to be perfect for this one window of time. So it's like my way of cheating the system of like, you're not supposed to call people perfect. I might never. Well, and that's the song, right? Cause it's like. Yes. Yeah, sorry, you can do the lyrics, but I love this song so much, and not and just the fact that it might happen to be about yes. Taylor Swift, and it goes so I mean, well one of my with favorite style, lines is like, I could tell that you were curious. Please, like, oh. like, oh, that's definitely mm-hmm. winter. Like, winter is very curious, and not in sometimes in a good way, sometimes in a, a way where we're like, we should keep an eye on her. <laughs> I might never be your knight in shining armor. I might never be the one to take you home to mother. And I might never be the one who brings you flowers, but I can be the one by the one tonight. Um, obviously, Jason is her knight in shining armor, right? But I don't necessarily think that Jason set out to be her knight in shining yeah. armor. He never wanted to be a knight in shining armor to begin with. He cared about winter 
and wanted to guard Winter because he cared about Winter, not because he wanted to be her knight in shining armor. Um, but I just, I really love that line of, mm-hmm. I, I noticed you were curious. Like, one of the first things I noticed about you was that you're a curious person. I completely forgot this song is about Taylor Swift, or rumored to be about Taylor Swift, right? Like, they never confirm anything. <laughs> yeah, no, and, like, one of my best friends, who's also Swifty, she's like, Sierra, you need to listen to this version where style and perfect together. Because it's, like, I think the main line they connect yes. to is, like, if you're oh, looking God. for someone to write your breakup songs about, maybe on perfect for you. Do you want to talk about your quote? Yes. So, the quote I picked was, maybe this was her own insanity, signifying nothing. I'm not entirely sure why I picked this quote. I mean, hey, because it's, like, beautiful. Like, who writes that? Like, who works, uses the word, like, signify? Like, no one, except, like, Marissa and maybe Taylor Swift. Um, but it's just gorgeous. And it's also, like, I don't know, when your brain, when you're in, mm-hmm. like, these deep, bad, dark moments, you're looking for, like, things to make sense. And you're trying to figure out, oh, hey, is that a sign of hope or happiness or like that things are going to get better and like you kind of seek for signs where it might not be and so it's like yeah maybe it means something maybe it's not maybe I'm just gaslighting myself and it's like yeah just like a lot of self-doubt and stuff yeah and I think that like uh, you always have such good quotes what you and I talked about earlier about like it's not necessarily that someone is broken, it's that they feel broken at a certain point in time in their life. I think that your quote kind of goes really well with that. It's like, maybe it was her own insanity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and I like the quote back with like, Iko and Cinder. It's like, yes, you may be broken, but it's not unfixable. Like, I'm telling you guys, whoever's listening out there, it's always gonna get better. So, yeah. yeah. It might not feel like it, but it will. It won't always be this hard. Yeah. Oh. There are brighter days ahead. So my quote was, I'm done serving everyone else. Mm-hmm. I said it a little while ago, but I just want to harp on that so much that Jason is Jason. Okay, he's always going to be there for, for, for winter. He's always going to be supporting her. He's always going to be putting her first. But I love that Jason is like, I'm done serving other people. I have a future of my own. I have goals of my own. I have a life of my own. I have ambitions of my own. And maybe I'll be a doctor. Who knows? Yeah, I like it. He's finally setting boundaries like... I don't know. I feel so bad for him. Just, like, how he's been used and abused by, like, Sybil and Lavana and, like, who knows what else. Okay, Cassie, please tell me your chapter quote. Yeah, so while I was sitting here with our connectivity issues, I actually changed my quote. Oh! Um, I know, right? Well, the one I had before, I feel like we already talked about because it was the, I'll be safe and happy when I'm no longer afraid of my own mind. And we, we yeah, talked about that yeah, a lot. Yeah. And skimming back over it, there's one that stuck out to me more that I liked more. Um, which is they're talking about the prototype and getting the prototype and Jason's, you know, is protesting and winter says, I've already volunteered. You can try to talk me out of it, but I'm fully prepared to ignore you. Love it. 
And I like this quote because it shows us that Winter is willing to stand up to Jason. She doesn't just like curl up to him and accept the protective, you know, whatever. And we see this throughout the series as well. Like I, I think of the the scene where he's guarding her room and she wants him to come inside to paint the planets with her and he won't. So she like hauls everything out into the <laughs> corridor and sits there instead. And he's yeah. like, what am I going to do with you? And she's like, mm, I don't know what you're talking about. And so I, I like to see Winter in these instances of her standing up to Jason and being like, I know that you're worried and I appreciate that worry and concern, but I am going to do what I think is best for me. Yeah. So that's my quote. I love it. We had some good good discussions this week, you guys. Thank you very much for being here for what is the second to last episode of winter, which is just so crazy. crazy to me. Oh, my goodness. Oh, stressful how crazy it is. Yeah. But exciting, too. So exciting. Yeah. So there were three Easter eggs. Said the word hair appeared seven times. The word captain appeared three times. Next time will be our last episode of winter. <laughs> wow. Last episode of winter. Last episode of the like core Lunar Chronicles series because everything else is, you know, extra sprinkles and, and whipped cream on top. Um, <laughs> it's just crazy to me. So... Okay, Cassie Sierra, where can people find you on social media if they would like to do so? If you would like to find Of Slippers and Spindles, you can find our Instagram account of, at Of Slippers and Spindles. It's not terribly active, but as I said earlier, all of our podcast episodes are still available wherever you listen to podcasts. And we have a Facebook group of Slippers and Spindles where uh, we're fairly active chatting about things as yeah. new fairy tale stuff emerges um so please by all means join us over there we had a good discussion a couple weeks ago about the 12 dancing princesses and how you address some of the plot holes we had a lovely discussion of that in our facebook group so mm -hmm. uh yeah come find us on facebook which is is really the best place to find the podcast right now and then um i'm kind of boring i'm just on instagram as like sierra riots um the patreon i'm pretty active on there and then i just joined goodreads so just at the sierra riots so um i'm not gonna lie you guys i don't want to like call out other listeners but i think sierra might be the most active listener because, because, yeah, I I, because people don't know this but like i do things on the patreon and on the podcast and i'm like if you you know, listen to this, send me an email. If you listen to this, send me an email. If you actually enjoyed this episode, send me an email, especially when it comes to those bonus episodes. Cause you guys, I do bonus episodes on Patreon and I swear, I feel like no one's listening. Um, but someone is listening. Sierra's always listening. And I think in the last episode, I was like, thank you, Sierra. Cause you're the only one who listened to this. <laughs> I will, I'm always good to speak up. I will, was never that kid in class that want to ask questions because I'm like, yo, like this depends on my grade. I need to know. I don't care if it's not cool. I need to know. So you're so funny. Yeah. But I just, I want to say thank you for that. Cause I feel like you've always been incredibly supportive. 
Thank you. I've been really lucky to find you. And Cassie, Slippers and Spindles was amazing too and still is with the Facebook groups. So thank you, thank yeah. you. I love you guys. <sighs> okay, thank you guys so much for being her. Everyone, keep reading, keep listening. And until next time, don't get glamored. I'm so emotional right now. <laughs> yes. Bye. The chapters discussed today are from Winter by Marissa Meyer, and the audio clips were from Rebecca Solaire's performance, a Macmillan audiobook production. This podcast is hosted and produced by Bethany Finger, and today's special guests were Cassie and Sierra. The intro-outro music was composed by Emma Pavo, and the logo art was created by Cosmic Nova Flare on Instagram. Thank you for listening. To-